Shall we turn to the scriptures? Matthew chapter 5. We'll turn to verse 4. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. Your presence in a very special way. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in the name of Jesus and we take victory in the house. To Christ be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Last week we looked into the scripture, blessed are those who are poor, for theirs is the kingdom. We move to the next one, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Praise God. Through the scripture, we understood what Jesus meant when he said, blessed, divine joy, perfect happiness, happiness makarios. In Christianity, there is a God-like joy that is available for all those who believe in Jesus Christ. An inner satisfaction and a sufficiency that is available to all those who trust in him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The happiness that the Bible talks about is not based on happenings, but it's beyond. It's not confined to our circumstances and our environments, but it's besides and beyond. Praise God. It's all available through Jesus Christ. Today we move to the next round. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Life in general has various seasons. Ups and downs, challenges, moments and seasons of festivities and joy. Festivities and joy doesn't last all the time. There will be seasons where there will be sadness, sorrow, mourning. And we as human beings, we'll, we know the cause of mournings that come in our lives. Regardless of what season you are in. Praise God. God is able to carry you through. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. When we go through mourning in our lives, we feel the pain and the sadness in our life. As human beings, when our loved ones depart from the world, it brings such grief to us. We go into a state of mourning. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says there is comfort available. Praise the Lord. Those who mourn, they will be comforted. That's what the Bible says. So the mourning that comes because just because we are human beings, when we go through tough times, losses in our lives, we go through a time of mourning. And thank God for the provisions that God has for us. The mechanisms that are in place that would comfort us and console us. We thank the Lord for the body of Christ that surrounds us, that brings comfort to us. And there are different kinds of comforters that we see. We can look at in the Bible itself, different kinds of comforters. And the Bible does also talk about different levels of mourning in our lives. The Greek word for mourning that is used is Penteo, 
praise the Lord. Uh, the, the language that is used there is the meaning that can be closely connected to is the kind of mourning that Jacob went through when he realized that Joseph was lost. And they tried to comfort him, but he would not be comforted. The grief was so deep. Praise the Lord. Sometimes the grief can be so deep that it not only brings ache to our heart, but uncontrollable tears in our eyes. Unrestrainable tears. It's beyond human words can articulate. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, that kind of grief are experienced by people in, in their lives during their lifetime. David also experienced that kind of grief when he lost his son Absalom, when he lost his baby through his affair with Bathsheba. Those are all good examples of mourning that comes in the lives of people. The prophet Jeremiah once prophesied about the lamenting and the mourning that will come. Prophesying about the slaughter of the babies that were to come. And Eve, the, through the words of prophecy, he said that Rachel cannot be comforted. Praise the Lord. Or the mourning was so deep that no comfort could console them. Those are human mourning or or misery that people go through in their lives where human levels of comfort is not possible or sufficient to comfort them. Praise the Lord. But, you know, sometimes people who do come to comfort us, they can say the wrong things. You know, when Job had a loss in his life, he lost everything in his life. Everything. And his three friends traveled from far to comfort him. They came and they sat by him, sat there silently for days. Finally, they opened their mouths and they started talking to him. And Job, after listening to them, this is what Job says in Job 16:2. I have heard many things like this. You are miserable comforters, all of you. Three of them. Three of them, three of his friends, they came and finally Job is saying, all of you guys are miserable comforters. Have you ever encountered miserable comforters? One day I was sitting in the hospital with a sister who was very sick, terminally ill. And a visitor came to her and started conversing with her. And I was listening carefully to what she was saying, and this is how the conversation went. Say, oh, you know, your, your sickness is kind of very serious. Someone that I know had the same kind of sickness, they did not make it. I mean, I was like stunned and shocked. I mean, what do you say to people like that? I mean, it was not meant. She did not mean harm, but that's how some people are. They are, according to Job, miserable comforter. Even if you don't go to comfort anyone, don't be a miserable comforter. Praise the Lord. Adding insult to the injury. Don't do that. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says we have a comforter. You know? So we need to know on the, on, on, on the surface level, Mourning comes to everyone, but the Bible says they will be comforted, okay? Now, in reality, when we look into the scriptures, what is it that Jesus is driving to when he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning about what? Praise the Lord. Is this just general mourning that he's talking about? Yes. As human beings, we do mourn. As believers, we do go through seasons of crisis and loss and sadness in our life. Just like one of our dear ones in our church has departed and it has left so much grief to us. But we thank God for the comfort that comes from the body of Christ. The comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. The comfort that comes from the scriptures that is available to us. When we go through such loss in our lives. 
But here in the context, what is it that the Lord is talking about? I want you to look as I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, which is going to clarify a lot of things. Blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace, are you who weep now over your sins and repent. For you will laugh when the burden of sin is lifted. Luke 6, 21. Praise the Lord. So the Bible talking about the mourning here is mourning over sin. Mourning over sin. Praise the Lord. A true believer of Jesus Christ would mourn over his and her sin. Praise God. Let me ask you, have you ever mourned over your sin? Have you ever mourned over your sin? You know, this is how James wrote. James says in James 4, 8 and 9, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. James is referencing this kind of sorrow with his command to grieve, mourn, and wail. Over what? Over sin. Over sin. Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible teaches us as Paul writing to Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation that, that brings life and leaves no regret. Praise the Lord. So as children of God, we have to mourn over our sins. Praise the Lord. Mourning over our sins. Hmm? For that, number one, we need to have an awareness of the state that we are in. Praise God. The state that we are in. Praise God. So we start our journey. We come to the Lord. We repent of our sins. Get washed by the blood of Jesus. And we continue in this journey. As we continue in this journey, we'll live in an environment that is able to contaminate our lives. Praise the Lord. You know, you, you take a fresh set of clothes in the morning. You wear them. And you go to work, in the evening you come back and you look at it. Well, you did not intentionally sit in places where your clothes can get, get bad or it can get defiled, you know. But through the course of the day, we go through situations in our lives where our clothes that we wore in the morning is not the same anymore. There is dirt on it. Likewise, when we live in this Christian lives, as Paul writes to, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, there are things that contaminates our body and our spirit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That defiles us. And so, number one, we ought to be aware of it. You cannot mourn over uh, your sin if you're not aware of it. We often live in this world with the mindset, I am okay, you are okay, so the conclusion is, we are okay. Good. I'm fine, you're fine, we are fine. Praise the Lord. Take the fine and the okay to Jesus and let him put a stamp of approval saying, it's okay. The provisions that are given in the scripture to cleanse us are given so that we may apply to it. If we are okay and if we are fine, then there is no need for such provisions. The provisions that I'm talking about is 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 onwards. Okay, let's move on. Number one, we need to have an awareness. 
When we come in the presence of God, we need to look into ourselves and be honest to ourselves during the course of the week, in my walk, in my talk, in my code of conduct, in my behavior, in my attitude, in my thoughts, publicly, privately, secretly, confidentially. Is there anything? And so, we need to have this this mindset in us where we come in the presence of God, in the presence of a holy God, a loving God. Looking at ourselves, we need to have that mourning, mourning over our shortcomings and our sins. And for that, number two, we need to have a level of accountability. Normally, what do we do? We, we pass the buck. We, we have articulated the art of passing the buck. I think we learned it from perhaps the first parents, Adam. You know, he, he, he told God what? It's this woman that you gave me. It's her fault. And so we started that and, and people dwell on it by saying, passing the buck. It's not me. It's him. It's her. It's, it's my environment. It's my home. It's my parents. People blame everyone else. Yeah, some people go through dysfunctional families. Some people go through challenges in their life that others have not gone through. Some people have disturbed lifestyle or disturbed childhood. Some have gone through abused childhood in their lives and some are victims, but God doesn't want us to live with the victim mentality forever. God has called us to be victors, not victims. So cast out the victim mentality because Jesus gives us a new, fresh lease to life and he wants us to live a victorious life. We empathize with people who have gone through struggles, but God doesn't want us to dwell there. He wants us to get up and keep moving with life. What does that mean? That means we need to we need to live up to our responsibility. Praise the Lord. When you and I falter, fall. There are sins in our lives. Instead of blaming someone else, we take the blame on ourselves. Praise the Lord. You know? Instead of telling that it's her fault and it's his fault and, and blaming the circumstances and blaming everybody else, we take the blame on ourselves. As James puts it in James 1.4, each one is tempted by his own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. Yes, circumstances play a role in our lives, but in the end, we need to live up to our responsibility. We need to own up to our own responsibility. Praise the Lord. We need to, we need to acknowledge, praise the Lord. We need to have an accountability before God. See, quite often when we slip in life, fall into sin. We do so because we tend to overlook the God factor in our lives. What does that mean? You know, a few weeks, a few months ago, when I shared, I said that what happens is when the enemy deceives us, what does he do? He, he takes, he, he erases the memory of God from us. You know, I want to bring your attention to Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? What Joseph told Potiphar's wife? The environment was perfect. Everything was perfect for him to get into that relationship, which was not pushed from his end, but came from the other end. How did Joseph respond? Joseph said, how can I do such a wicked thing Number one, God against God and against my master. So when we forget the God element, the God factor, we go down into sin. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't forget that. Remember, we are always accountable to God. Praise the Lord. Remember what David said as it's recorded in Psalm 51.4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Number one, when we falter, slip, fall, it affects our relationship with God. Number two, it also affects and impacts the relationship with people around us. Don't forget that. Praise God. It's not only God, but primarily God. And then everyone else who's connected to us, it affects, impacts their life also. Praise the Lord. So what do we do? We need to own up to our own responsibility. We have to say, I take responsibility not only for sinning because it's not right, it is impure, it is unholy, but because I know that I have let down God big way. How is it that sometimes people, we fall so low into sin? How? Because we lose sight of God. When you take into consideration what it cost heaven to redeem you and me, we continue to go low into this world. But if we pause for a moment, stand before the cross, look at the one that's hanging on the cross, and think for a moment what he had, gone, what he had to go through for you and for me, we will pause. We will perhaps turn away from sin. Praise the Lord. So what is it that God intends that we mourn over what? our sins and true mourning over sin means truly crying before the Lord mourning of our deplorable state that we might have entered into and having a repentant heart praise God an authentic repentance is a change in attitude and action not just being sorry about something that we did, but making sure that it's not repeated over and over again. Praise the Lord. Let me ask you, is there sins in our lives where we tend to repeat it over and over again? If so, we need to come to a place true, authentic repentance. Praise God. Not going through the motion of feeling sorry and going back to square A again and again. Praise the Lord. You know, God has amenities for us. I want to draw your attention to that. He has a deterrent that is available for us. What is the deterrent? It's the word of God. David puts it like this. Thy word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. So God has, that's what I said, God has given us the provisions. One is the deterrent that is available. Okay. So Wow, we, what is the deterrent that's available? It is the word of God. And so you put the word of God in your heart. You store it in your heart. David says, when I store it in my heart, it acts as a deterrent. 
It keeps me away. Hmm. Praise God. It keeps me away from sin. God's word is not only deterrent, it is also a detergent. First one, as a deterrent, it keeps me away from sin. As a detergent, it washes me. It cleanses me. You know how much loving God is? He picks us out of the dirt of sin. Washes us up. Clothes us with the garment of salvation. Adorns us with the robe of righteousness. Puts on the garment of praise on us. And he says, go. As we go, he says, Take this word with me, with you. Praise God. It will act as a deterrent from sin because he knows he has pulled us out of the world and he has put us back into this world. And as we live in this world, we need the deterrent of God's word to keep us pure and holy. Can't pull it without it. He knows. He looks at us and says, uh, you don't only need a deterrent, you also need a detergent. So my word is going to act like a deterrent. And when you become desensitized by sin, and you entertain that, and when you allow that to contaminate your soul, your spirit, he says here, it acts as a detergent. The water of God's word, wash yourself Every day, religiously, like you would take a shower every day. I hope you do. Don't be just reading the Bible religiously. That's a pure water that cleanses our soul, cleanses our mind. Praise God. Hallelujah. But we need to be in a place where we come and mourn before him. Praise God. You know, remember Peter? Peter goofed off big time. Peter goofed off big time. Jesus gave him a, a forewarning saying, listen, Peter. Before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny. You're going to deny that. Peter said, ah. Sometimes God speaks to us through his word. It's a forewarning that he gives us. And we say, ah. This is not for me. It's, it's for someone. We act like that sometimes. And the next thing that we see is we stumble on the very thing that we heard. And then that's when we scratch our head. The Bible says, Peter, when the cock crowed, he went out and he wept bitterly. Praise God. So mourning over our sin is not just going through the motion feel bad and go back to square A. When we mourn over our sin, we mourn it and we despise it. We see, we look at sin as God looks at sin and treat it the way God treats it. Call it the very thing that God calls it. Those who defend or cover their sins, they don't understand the mind of God or the pain that it creates in the heart of God. Praise God. That verse, you can say something like this, blessed is the man who is desperately sorry for his own sin and his own unworthiness. Praise God. Look at the effect and the impact of sin. Just lift your eyes 
to the cross. Praise the Lord. For when you come to him and we mourn over our sins and we repent of them and we make up our mind that we're not going to walk in that same path anymore. Praise the Lord. That's when you experience the comfort of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes? Let me ask you, did you ever had a sorrow for your sin? Ever? When we do mourn for our sins, the Bible says, we will be comforted. Praise the Lord. We will be comforted. When there is sin in our lives, and when we fail to mourn over our sins, when we have no grief over the sins in our lives, do you know what happens? The Lord grieves over us. Paul writing to the Ephesians, you know what he says? Do not grieve the Grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Our actions, our actions, our lifestyles can grieve the Holy Spirit who indwells us. God has given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit within us, guaranteeing what is yet to come. We have the tendencies and the potential to grieve the heart of God. Hello? If our sins do not grieve us, do not bring grief to us, I want to tell you, if we don't mourn and repent of our sins, it grieves the heart Praise God. Quite often we misunderstand when we, when we hear the term mourning. Mourn about what? Not only of our sins, but at the plight of our world around us. Think about Jesus. Jesus in his lifestyle, in his, in his earthly ministry, there are so many occasions where he mourned and he wailed. Really, really. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, when he pens it in a prophetic way, he says, he was acquainted, Jesus, he's acquainted with sorrows and grief. Was not foreign to him. Jesus mourned not of his sins because Jesus was perfect. Jesus was sinless. He's the only one who's sinless. He did not have to mourn over his sins because there was no sin. But Jesus did mourn over the effects and the impact of sin. Looked at Jerusalem and he wailed and he cried because he saw the trajectory. He knew where it will end. When seasons are given to us, opportunities are given to us to mourn and to wail before the Lord concerning our sins, and if we don't grab it, looks at the trajectory of our life and he would mourn over it. Jesus looked at Jerusalem and he cried. He looked at the impact of sin. You know, he looked at the woman of Jerusalem who was weeping and crying as he was taking the cross. He says, don't cry for me. Cry for yourself and for your 
praise God. Jesus mourned about the situation, about, about the conditions of people around him. One, as God's people, we have to look into ourselves and mourn over the sins in our life. Number two, we as God's people, we ought to be aware of our environment and mourn over it. What does that mean? Have you ever looked around and see what's going on in this world, in our society, in our government? And do you see the, the, the downfall, the decay of morals and values, how, how, how it is crumbling? Does that bother you? Have you ever thought of the fact how it's going to affect our next generations? The new laws that are coming? The lifestyle that the, that the government is propagating? the lifestyle that the, the government is embracing? Have you ever thought how it's going to affect the next generation? Does that bother you? Or are you like Hezekiah? When the prophet came to Hezekiah and gave him the word that everything is going to be destroyed and the country will be taken away as captive. And this was the attitude of Hezekiah. Hezekiah said, as long as it's not going to happen in my lifetime, it's okay. I feel that the church is in that state of denial. Where we think that as long as it's not going to happen in my lifestyle, it's okay. You don't know how fast things are going to change. Two decades ago when I used to preach about things, about lifestyles and alternative lifestyles, I never thought in my lifetime that in my lifetime it's going to become part of our laws. You don't know how quick the landscape will change. So what do you do? You mourn over it. You cry about it. You weep and wail before God who can shift. You can bring heaven down and shift the landscape or he can stop. The shifting sense he can stop them. The prophets of the old, they wailed and they cried when they looked at the, at the state of God's people. Looking at the moral compass of our, our nation. Where this nation is going to, does that bring you to a place of mourning and crying before the Lord? Praise God. Don't be indifferent thinking that's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect my loved ones. Praise God. When COVID was brewing in Wuhan, I still remember in January 2019, I was here during our Friday morning prayer. And this is what I said. I said, COVID is brewing in Wuhan. We need to pray. Wuhan is thousands of miles away from here. Why pray? It's only affecting people in Wuhan. Pretty soon it changed the landscape. It changed the way we do business. It changed the way we travel. It changed the way we worship. It changed the way that we fellowship. What am I trying to say is don't take it for granted. The freedom to express yourself, the freedom to worship, the freedom to assemble, the freedom to evangelize. Don't take it for granted. Praise God. Moan for others. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, mourn for others. 
Robert Pierce, the founder of World Vision, puts it like this. Let my heart break for the things that breaks the heart of God. A true believer is not only concerned about me and mine. We ought to start there, mourn about our own sins, but there has to be a shift. Hallelujah. There has to be a shift. And when we do, the Bible says, we will be comforted. Paracleo. Praise God. Paraclete is the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. When you look at your God, what is your outlook about him? This is how Paul puts it. And let me read it out to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and consolation. The Father of mercies. And God of all comfort. God, our God is a God of all comfort. We preach about him. God is love. Yes, he is. We say God is a consuming fire. Yes, he is. But God is also a God of all comfort. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a God of all comfort. What does he do? Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, when we receive comfort from him, we are equipped to share that comfort with someone else. God equips his body Praise the Lord. God embellishes his body with his comfort. And when he embellishes his body with his comfort, he equips them with a comfort that they can pass it all. Praise God. <laughs> so when you see the state of affair in your society, in your land, in your community, in your faith community and you mourn over it, God comforts you and equips you to comfort them. The body of Christ is not meant to be living an isolated life. We are a separated group of people, but God has not called us to live an isolated life. You and I should be aware of things that are going around us and get involved to relieve them or to arrest the progress. Let me ask you, number second was election day, right? How many of you guys went and did your, fulfilled your civil obligation? It's one thing to pray and it's something else to get actively involved. I talked to a few people, they say it's a local election, it doesn't matter, it matters. It matters. Praise the Lord. You can make a change. Praise God. Don't be indifferent. You are not living in a, in a, in, in, in a uh, you know, in a glass case. We are living in this world that's going to impact us or we are going to impact them. Praise God. So don't be indifferent. Don't act as if it doesn't matter. It does matter. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. God comforts us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How does he comfort us when we mourn over our sins? Praise God. Hallelujah. He cleanses us. He empowers us. You and I can experience the presence of a holy God. 
and press on into this world, into the realms that God has called us out to be. Praise God. Hallelujah. Like grace, comfort is active and powerful. Praise God. When he comforts us, you and I can be yanked out of our state of lethargic lifestyle, of a lifestyle that's indifferent when we mourn over our sins. Praise God. God is the God of all comfort. Praise God. All comfort. The revelator writes like this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. And be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. What are we going? What are we saying? Now we need the comforter who comforts us. Praise God. Fast forward. Praise God. There will be a time coming when he shall wipe away all our tears. Praise the Lord. What does the comforter do? Praise God. Hallelujah. Not only simply wipe away our tears, but one version puts it like this. He will wipe away the memories of your tears. Praise God. Tears we can wipe away. But who can wipe away the memories of tears? Only God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, as we approach him, we have the assurance. When we repent of our sins and we mourn over the loss of our fellowship with him. When sin enters into our lives, the fellowship with him is strained. Praise God. The fellowship with him is strained. Praise God. So in personal life, we mourn over our sins. And when you look into the world, you look into the society, when you look in the house of God, praise God, when you look into the next generation, when you look among those who minister their lifestyle, does that bring us to a place where our hearts are broken? This morning, as Peter Uncle was sharing, he shared about Mordecai. He mourned over what was going to happen to the children of Israel. Praise God. May our hearts carry that kind of a burden, concern for those around us who have the potential to fall away. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. All eyes closed. All eyes closed. Is there anything in our personal life that we ought to mourn about? When was the last time you had sorrow in your heart, looking at your own state of affair, your own state of spirituality, your own relationship with God, your own status quo. When was the last time you had sorrow in your heart? When you looked at your prayer life, when you looked at your devotion life, when you looked at the fellowships that you are in. When was the last time you had sorrow and you mourned and wept for your children? At the state of their spirituality, 
Maybe you feel that they're okay because they're successful. Praise God that they're successful. We share in their joy. But has it ever bothered you that they don't attend Sunday school? That they're not part of the youth group? That they are not taking part in any fellowships in the church? That they are not growing in the grace of and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Does that bring you to your knees and cry out to God and ask for a divine intervention? When was the last time you looked at your spouse and said, oh my God, She needs God as much as I do. He needs God as much as I do. When was the last time you looked at the body of Christ? Your local ecclesia, the body of Christ at large. When was the last time you looked at the clergy and you mourned over that? Mm. God wants us to come to that place where we mourn and weep over our sins. And ask the Lord for a divine intervention in our own personal lives and the lives of people around us. Yes. The comforter, the God of all comfort, will bring about a change. Praise God. He can bring about that shift. Only he can do it. Praise God. Father, this morning we yield ourselves to you. We pray that we would look at our sin, my sin, as you look at it. Help us not to simply go through the motion of religion but truly repent and turn around give us grace to do so in Jesus name we pray Amen